This is Pave It Black. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Pave It Black, the official podcast of the National Asphalt Pavement Association. My name is Richard Willis. And I'm Brett Williams. Today, we're here to talk a little bit about data and how it can be used. The ability to get and access data has changed drastically over the past couple of decades. I remember in college being crushed as a CD-ROM fell out of my backpack and a truck ran over it crossing the road. I had my term paper on it, so I had to start all over. Now I can hold terabytes of data in the palm of my hand. How can we really use that data to either communicate better within our companies or to better serve our customers? Are there tools out there that can really help us utilize this data to get the most out of it and help us ensure that our operations are as efficient and proactive as we can be? So to talk with us about data today, we've invited Dan Rodolfi from Lestrada Partners to the podcast. Welcome, Dan. Thank you, Richard and Brett. Could you tell us a little bit about yourself and Lestrada Partners? Sure. Um, my name is Dan Rodolfi, as you said earlier. I'm the president of Lestrada Partners. I'm a licensed civil engineer. I have a master's in, of science in civil engineering from the University of Nevada with an emphasis on pavement and materials. And before coming to Lestrada Partners, I spent 10 years in consulting and then 10 years in actual material production for a vertically integrated paving contractor. Lestrada Partners, we're actually a data company. We provide a platform for managing quality control information to contractors and testing labs in the heavy civil construction space. I guess I'd like to hear maybe what advances have really have really come out or what you've seen over the last 10 years. And I imagine that there probably are still many people out there that are using spreadsheets to track mixtures or maybe individual components of these mixtures. So I guess I'd be interested even in what some of the other opportunities are with some of these new systems and, a, and the ability to really track additional data or new data, whether it be performance tests or maybe linking binder data to, to some of this uh, material. Could you maybe help us and um, give us some, some insight into that? Sure, sure. You know, Microsoft Excel is the number one quality control software used around the world. So even though that might've been your first experience, Brett, uh, it is still the number one tool. But what happens is it's hard to start relating data and we needed to transition to a relational database type of a setup. So in the late eighties, early nineties, um, using access and other technologies, these relational databases started popping up. I remember some DOS software from uh, Shillstone for concrete and aggregates. And then over time, those relational databases have grown. Um, you don't see access very much, if at all anymore, it's all SQL. But the key to the relational database is something you brought up earlier, Brad, it's that it's being able to relate the things. So you know, coming up to where we are now, the relations have been pretty traditional, right? I have a aggregate plant or a rock plant. I'm producing rock for my hot mix. I transfer that information over. Maybe I use it for mix design. Maybe I use it for predictions. If I'm really sophisticated, I know about what makes my mix succeed. So maybe it's VMA. And I try to back that information up to my production at the aggregate plant. So really kind of where we're at now is that we put together all of those databases, which are in Excel. So 
the aggregate data, the hot mix data, the binder data. And uh, going forward now, because of the way the world is now with, you know, big data, you know, we all see it with, you know, in this recent election, right? There's always bickering over who's using the data for what, you know, the social media giant TikTok is being accused of using data for something that nobody knows. So in the construction industry, we're going to start to see some of that trickle into our world because now technology through larger and more robust databases through the cloud and through artificial intelligence, we can start bringing together larger and larger and larger databases and start looking at a holistic picture. When you look at quality control outside of our world, quality control typically is used to describe how do I ensure customer satisfaction? In our world, we tend to focus quality control on contract compliance and maybe mixed performance. So if we think about customer satisfaction, we might think about contract compliance, we may think about crew productivity, but we should also add the driving public. So maybe we should add smoothness to the data set. Maybe we should be adding temperature segregation to the data set. We had a funny conversation earlier about GPS truck tracking as part of e-ticketing. Maybe some of that data should go in. So I think going forward, what you're going to see in our industry is um, the use of higher order analysis to really focus in on what matters. Personally, I don't see that for another five to 10 years. It's going to take it's the coming together of some companies and some vision to do that. There's a little bit of that happening in Europe right now, something called the e-construction site. And that intends to create a standard data um, platform so that uh, you and I may have a trucking tracking software and we may have our own mousetrap and our own bells and whistles. But at the end of the day, we know how to feed that e-data site, e-construction site, so that every other system can grab whatever information might be considered relevant to that system. It'd be nice if the quality control group understood the sales forecast. So, hey, this week we're, we've got these mixes on, right? And typically it's done in a, an email, maybe a weekly productivity meeting. Maybe it happens more organic, just regular discussions. But if the QC software knew what the sales forecast were, maybe the quality control group would have a better handle on staffing needs. So what we have the ability to do today is just expand the databases. And that's really kind of what's exciting about our world. I've been in this industry for 20 years and I've watched the last five to 10 technology really start to get integrated in our industry. And now the next iteration for us is to bring that data together. Yeah, I'd like to chase this idea of, of connectivity between data a little bit. Because with these new technologies, contractors are going to probably have to shift the way that they look at their data because in, in the past it's been, here's my mix, here's my VMA, my air voids, where now we, with this ability to connect that, that data to maybe the production data or the construction data that we're getting in the field, it's going to give us the opportunities to do some analyses and better understand our mixes, better understand maybe how our crews are operating. So, for example, could we start tying things like aggregate production to quality, mixture quality? Or where do you see the benefits of contractors connecting these bits of data together? You know, so most people come to us and really the problem they're solving is streamlining their operations. I have more to do and I have 
limited resources. And that's where people start. I'm here in California. I have an obligation to turn in certain paperwork every day. I have certain, I have an obligation to do mixed designs in a certain way. So that's kind of where our industry stands. It's like the 80th percentile. Most people are really using their Excel systems and other database systems like ours to get those things done. Really the next iteration for our industry, and it should be happening now because of our transition to performance, should be in starting to use that information that we're gathering, whether it's in Excel or other systems like ours, and trying to predict and understand how do I make, um, let's say I have Hamburg as a, as a criteria in my DOT. You know, at VMA, there's lots of, lots of theory, lots of experience, and through, through time, people learn once you're sort of stationed at a plant for a while, kind of what works and what doesn't work. Um, now that we're going to change this paradigm of balancing, right? So balancing indicates that means we have to trade one for the other. It's going to become imperative that we do more than just get our paperwork out efficiently. It's going to be imperative that we start to really understand the influence of multiple variables on our mix, because we're not going to be asked to provide a mix that has VMA. We're going to be asked to provide a mix that doesn't rut, nor does it crack. And that's going to change based on all sorts of things like traffic, environmental location, you know, past experience. So we're in this time right now where those specifications for performance are new and they're being developed. And it's really an opportunity to leverage that information that people have gathered to try to understand what drives performance. So to answer your question, about connectivity, I think the first step for us is to use connectivity to actually bring together the information that we already have. We're not going to be able to go from where we're at today to a highly sophisticated artificial intelligence model that has a dashboard that vibrates your phone, Richard, when something happens at the aggregate plant that will either positively or negatively affect the performance of your mix six months down the line. We're not there. But as specifications are starting to come together, as we understand the properties of the available binder supplies, as we understand the properties of the wrap supplies that are going into our mixes, we should really take advantage of this time to bring that information together and understand what it's going to be successful, what it's going to take to be successful. Kind of draw a little bit further on the topic of connectivity. I'm thinking that there's probably opportunities to make it make us more effective. And some of the examples that come to mind are maybe no longer dealing with these spreadsheets or emailing of these different spreadsheets, really looking at how communication can be more efficient, where your company is operating with this program or that program and it's giving a lot more people access to the information they need in real time. And maybe you could give some perspective on some of the advantages that that can help a contractor with some of their internal operations. Yeah, sure. Um, I think, Brett, you've, you've used a term that we use a lot around here, and that's perspective matters, right? I think the connectivity in today's technologies um, provide a few things. Uh, number one, like I've been talking about over and over again, we can expand the data sets. But number two, we can now start to remove barriers for data entry. 
when I think about some of my time in the quality control world, we always wanted to get to a place where we were taking a certain number of tests per ton of mix performed. But to be able to do that, it required a human being to sit in front of a terminal and type in the aggregate production every day. In today's world, to basically transmit information from the aggregate plant or the hot mix plant about its tons per hour and the cumulative tonnage over time at any point in time is very easy to do. It's very cheap and it's easily done and it provides a lot of value. So we can remove a lot of, um, a lot of barriers. And then in terms of perspective, we have all sorts of abilities now to dashboard. There's a company that uh, I've seen their Power BI dashboard and it's really, really impressive. Power BI just is a graphical tool to bring together data from all sorts of disconnected sources. And they've come up with a way to dashboard it so that you and your role have the information that you need to see. So when I think about what is dashboarding and what is perspective matter, a, a great example is I'm at an aggregate plant and my material is getting coarse. So I've got a gradation report. I'm an engineer. I know both you guys are engineers. We love to look at really complex spreadsheet, lots of numbers, you know, maybe some charts showing trends over time. You know, we're high-fiving each other. It just looks great, you know? And then you bring it out to the person who's sitting there in the control room who has to decide how many tons per hour on this belt, how many tons per hour on that belt. And they're seeing, you know, 30 numbers and somehow you're telling them you need to do something. Well, how do we change that? And I think we're dashboarding comes into play is where we can, instead of saying, hey, the percent passing is coarse, what we say is, I think this screen is worn, or I think this screen is blinding over. And you communicate in those words, and those words have meaning. Uh, I went to school with Dr. Adam Hand, and he always, always likes to hammer that um, if you wait for the quality person to tell you you have a problem, or you wait for that person to solve that problem, you've already failed. Right. So the quality person isn't the person in control of the aggregate plant. In my example, it's really that that operator. So what's really important to us that we communicate to the operator what they need, what they need to know so that they can action the information. And I think the, that's where connectivity comes in, because we might need information about what's happening at the plant and we need to put it together with that gradation information. So let's take the, this conversation and instead of looking at internal communication, let's think about external for the last few minutes. How does the ability to access and have this connectivity help us with the relationship with our customers, whether that's through communication, better results, better quality? How does that help us work with the, the cities or the private entities or the DOTs? Our industry would benefit from an improvement in trust, right? I mean, even the best DOT relationship with a contractor always has an element of, you know, what is that? Uh, trust but verify, right? I mean, that's essentially how our, our system is set up. So we have the ability now to a few things. Number one, if we put these tools and we start facing them forward, so instead of looking backward and say, why did this mix fail? Or why did we have this problem? Or why do we have a claim? If we can take those tools and start to say, I don't want a claim, and we start backing things up, I think we can start to build a little bit of trust with our owners or our customers. In the 
asphalt world, if we start to point a little bit towards customer satisfaction, we can then in turn help build that trust and build work faster. And then we can actually help really develop specifications. I mean, things are done subjectively. We have, we have studies that are done nationally for us. If we're all collecting information and it's all sort of relevant and the same, we might be able to use that information to help adjust what we learn in a national research study and apply it to a, a market that may be markedly different geologically or the binder supply may be fundamentally different as well. And then last thing, if we have information behind us, we can help hopefully remove some subjectivity, if not all the subjectivity. If what we do is fact-based, things are less personal and I may be willing to do something that may I may not like if it is based on fact and not an opinion or what I perceive as an opinion. I think that there's a lot of potential in these types of systems. I think the challenge is gonna be, like, like you said, most of these contractors come to you and they're trying to streamline things and they're trying to make it more efficient. We're gonna have all these new types of analyses that we're able to look at. And so it's finding how do you effectively and efficiently use more data. More data isn't necessarily a good thing. It's more data when you use it effectively or when you're using it. If it's just sitting there and no one's looking at it, no one's using it, what's the point? Yeah, that's true. There's a, there's a perception out there that quality costs money. And you know what? In some cases it does. But I can tell you from experience, from very specific personal experience, that the biz, larger businesses that invest in quality and use that information to look forward, they're the ones that dominate marketplaces. They build work without issues, and they're much more profitable than the people who are always bickering over whether, or maybe a better way to say it, whether they're 5.7 in spec versus the DOT's 5.8 out of spec is the, uh, if they want to fight over a 10th and think that's the best use of their time. I think as we move forward, I think those companies are going to really begin to struggle. When I was at NCAT, there was a sign. I'll never forget it. It's like quality control always costs less than remove and replace. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Dan, for your time. We, we really appreciate it. Yeah. I'm happy that you uh, invited us to go on. So I think one of the bigger takeaways that I got from today's conversation really is just uh, some of the opportunities that will be presented in the future um, with having um, data sets and a good amount of information about our mixtures and where that might lead with some of the AI type technologies are using um, some of this future technology or computing to really look at data and associate it and try to understand it in a deeper sense and understand which things are really impactful and some of the things that maybe don't really drive um, some of those performance related measures that are important to our customers and to us as we go into the future. Yeah, I also think that there's a lot of opportunities in for internal communication to be improved through this connectivity and through this date, these data. We can now connect the different parts of the business and different parts of your operation. And we can see how small changes in one area may impact others. And so I think the opportunities are, uh, they're just gonna be harnessed by the amount of time that people have and the willingness to think differently uh, through the processes which they've gotten to know over these past few decades. 
We just want to thank everyone again for being here with us today. My name is Richard Willis. And I'm Brett Williams. We just want you to remember, as you're driving around America's highways, someone from our industry paved it black. Pave It Black is produced by Monica Dutcher of the National Asphalt Pavement Association with podcasting music credits to Colleek. You can find Pave It Black on most of your favorite platforms, including SoundCloud and iTunes. If you would like to suggest someone for us to interview, please email Richard Willis at rwillis at asphaltpavement.org. That's R-W-I-L-L-I-S at asphaltpavement.org. Until next time, Keep paving it black.